So welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview Treasury professionals about their Treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to treasurers about how they built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the Treasury profession going to next. In this week's show, I'm joined by Eva Ackerson, experienced Treasury Director from Sweden. We're going to go through a lot about her career. She's got a career that spans many years within Treasury. So we've got bank consulting at Unisys through to group cash manager Sapper. Then we've got Arrow in there. We've got most recently group treasurer with Transcom. So I'm going to get Eva to discuss her career, talk about her career rather, and talk about how she's grown. We're going to then cover some of the usual areas that we do about how Eva then sort of went into different areas, some of her interests about security, cyberware, and things like that. Maybe we'll cover that. And then we'll, you know, as always, we'll sort of give the top tips at the end of the show. But for now, as always, I'll shut up. Let's let Eva do the talking. Eva, talk to us about how you got started in Treasury, because again, from my show notes, you said you didn't plan on it. It was completely accidental. How, how did it all start off? Over to you. I was working in, I started on the bank side after university, working with international payments. When there, I saw that Unisys IT company were looking for programmers, and I wasn't interested in programmers, but I all read that they were doing bank programs. So I sent in just a notice of interest asking if they had something for me. And it turned out that they actually had a position and that I would start in London, even if I was hired in Sweden. And then I worked as a bank consultant on a project where we were only two people from the bank side and everyone else were on the IT, IT people more or less. And we were developing a system for Bank of Scotland. And when the project started to come to an end, I came back to Sweden and moved to Stockholm. I realized at that point that uh, I needed to get a new job because they were not doing that well on the selling new systems to Swedish banks. So I sent in just a request to a recruitment company say I was interested in something and they came back saying that we have a treasury position. And to be honest, at that point, I didn't even know what they were doing at the treasury. <laughs> uh, but I thought I can always apply. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. And I actually got the job, surprisingly. Mm. And so that was how everything started. And you say and you got the job. Why do you think you got the job? What was you? How did you sell yourself in there? I was selling myself in that I had experience from the payment side because that right. was part of my responsibility. And I also knew a bit uh, from the FX side after working at the bank. And that was at that point enough. So I don't think the competition could have been very fierce about the position then. Mm -hmm. And of course, it was a very steep learning curve at the beginning and a very challenging. As I started the same week, everyone went on their summer holidays. So there wasn't anyone to ask in the office. I had to call my manager every time I ran into a problem. But, uh, <laughs> so that was how, how everything started. You discovered your early bits of treasury and started to build some of your career, if you like, in treasury. But that, you know, that was a, an early grounding foundation. But then... You made a move to Arrow. How did that come about? And again, you sort of started, you know, 18 months in Treasury. You know, now you're a treasurer. So, you know, how did you sort of broaden your experience or how did you make that next move? I simply had to ask. I had to try to find out how other people have done in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to the banks, go to the Eurofinance conferences. Simply trial and error. That was more, more my thing, how to to improve myself and to improve the, 
the work. And so how did the role then at Arrow come about? It was a time of change. They were, when I was there, they started quite quickly. I was hired to be working for the Nordic and the Swedish company. But a company for the big customers were moved to Sweden, as Ericsson was the biggest customer of them. So I got, got the large customer company and then the other Nordic companies. And then there was a change of organization. So the UK was my responsibility after a while. And at the beginning, I was working a lot with the forecasting, especially handling the positions because we had a lot of currency exposures in different countries. And of course, reporting this to the US, that was our, where our head office was. Were you quite sort of independent? And what I mean by that is you handled all the risks and they just gave it or, you know, was it, you know, managed at the centre and they sort of delegated responsibility to you guys? How, how was it sort of organised at that time? I know Arrow now and, you know, we've, we've done work with the group and stuff like that. But, you know, at that stage, was it you were a far-flung place in Northern Europe and you get on a manager or was it sort of much more from the centre? At the start, of course, I had the policy to follow what mm. we hedged and not hedged. At the start, I was doing most of the things myself and I took the responsibility for it. In the, the last couple of years, they changed it. So they made a lot more of the hedges centrally. So then I only sent in the numbers and did all the hedges that involved the local currencies locally because they could not do anything on the group level with that. So. And a good role, sort of, you know, you're there seven years and developing your treasury expertise. What was it like when you started and what were you like when you started there? And, and you know, how did you develop? Because you did a number of different projects there and things like that. Yes, I since I didn't know much at the beginning, I, of course, had to learn a lot. I actually really understand what hedging was and what the effect was and what we should include, because this we changed over time. But then when you, after a while you get a structure, I also had staff responsibility at this time who were doing more the bookings and the reconciliation of the accounts and so on, the month end of the bank accounts. And then after some years, there was a big project where we were going to change the ERP system of, um, for the whole group. And we were going to start in Northern Europe, but as we had the company for the large cash customers, it turned out it wasn't very, it was very, very complicated. So we started in Southern Europe instead. And a lot of the project organization was just switched from Northern Europe to Southern Europe. So I was responsible for the like treasury part, the cash management, the banks and so on mm. for when the Southern Europe implementation was and then you and then you made a move back to banking sort of thing. So you'd, you'd been in banking, you did the, the corporate side, and then you went to Swedbank. You know, what was the sort of, you know, what, what led to that? Because a lot of people, you know, because you know, you've done, you know, corporate, bank, back to corporate, you know, which is quite unusual if you like moving the both sides because sometimes people will, you know, start off in a bank and then went to move to corporate and that's it and then they carry on their corporate career. But you sort of, been between both which is great so you've got sort of you you stand between both camps yeah talk about that that move if you would yes when i've done southern europe the the project was going on to the central europe and i felt that i have been traveling so much for a very long time plus i didn't want to do the same thing one more time Mm. daily work 
I was doing with my left hand. So, you know, it, it comes on the side of the project. So there wasn't that much left of the daily work. So I decided I want to do something else. And there was actually an advert uh, that Swedbank were looking for a lot of different product managers. And I saw cash pooling. I saw international payments. And I felt I really wanted to do something different at that point. So I applied. And on the paper, I got a job for the group Common International Payments. But when I started in reality, I also got the product manager job as cash pooling because I was called into all those meetings. And the first year I did both. And then my manager asked me after a year, which I preferred. And then I preferred the cash pooling because that project was much more challenging. And it was it was still very, very different from working in a treasury department, because here, you know, you have to go out, uh, you procure a system, which could be the same as the treasury department. But then you have a different sec- way of looking at security in a bank, have a much more formal procedure. Things take a bit longer in the bank due to this. And here I did marketing material. I did the contracts or, and a lot of other things. Mm. Even configuring the system with my, when my system responsible was on holiday because we needed to do something. So it was very, very broad. And did you find it really helped you that you'd understood corporate treasury and that side of things? Because again, people will be listening today and they might have, you know, been, they might be in the corporate treasury side thinking about moving to banking or vice versa and saying, oh, I'm in the bank and, you know, I should get a better understanding from my customers. You'd been that side of the fence. So, you know, what insights did that give you, if, as it were? For me, it was really the customer's viewpoint when people said things like, we can't do this. And I said, as a customer, you don't care. <laughs> you just want to, you just want to have it fixed. It's not yeah. other banks can do it. Of course, we can do it. And you also really got your very, very good understanding for all the different, in my case, all the different cash pooling versions in detail and what they meant. And then I had the other side that what does the customer want to know? They don't care about the technicalities behind it. They want Mm. it to work and they want it to, of course, be in line with the country's regulations and so on. That was the key thing and things. Yes. And so you did. You did your four-year journey within the bank, and then you you came back to the from the dark side, as I joke about it. <laughs> yes. I, I don't mean that, guys. I'm only joking, listeners. But then you 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 were tempted back into corporate treasury. Talk about that. Yes, I started to realize that a lot of things in the bank goes quite slowly, mm-hmm. and I'm not a slow person. I'm a quick person. We bought the system, I had it implemented, we started to get the first customer onto it. And I felt that I'm not a person who sits and maintain things, I'm more a person who changes things. Mm. So it was either looking for a new position in the bank, but then, or go outside. Then I decided, no, I go back to the corporate side instead. Yeah. And I found the position as cash manager and trader at SAPA. And tell us about that role and, you know, the group. You know, I don't know the group, but, you know, some people will. But It was an aluminium mm-hmm. extrusion company. It's been a hydro in Norway have after a joint venture that took place after that bought the whole company. And now it's in their name instead. It was a global company as well. And with business in Asia, America, Europe mainly. 
there was a lot of, we had a lot of cash pools, several cash pools. I think there were six. And then there was a lot of trading on the FX, but also on aluminium side. So it was, so we, we did financial hedges of the aluminium. Quite a challenging role, but you used, you know, sort of systems, and that's a, you know, that's something that come came out to me that you really like the the use of systems without being overly technical, you know, being yeah. an IT whiz. But you you really try to use them, don't you? You know, what was it like there? There we they had just procured tracks by SunGuard when I started, mm-hmm. so we did quite quickly an implementation of that, and it was used for as a payment factory. Because we had also several ERP systems, which made it then if you can have a payment factory, you make the connections much easier and more secure. Mm-hmm. Another part was, of course, all that we, we had procured several banks during my time there. So we'd set up SWIFT for corporates as a one-way connection. So, but there was a lot of IT questions because at that point, there was the big change on the bank side to go from the old Edifact and MT formats to the XML formats. Mm. And as we were setting up things new, we said we don't want to look at the old stuff because then we have to redo it in a couple of years. So we go for the new stuff. That was a bit challenging. You, you At that point, you find that some things doesn't work as well as you want them to. But of course, this was some years ago and the options in the XML formats are, of course, much better today than they were. At that yeah, point. in those days. So, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, you did that role, you know, interesting position. And, you know, we'll get on to sort of some of the future things in, in Treasury that you'd love to do. But then the most recent role, you joined Transcom. What, what, who are Transcom again? You know, I know that they're well known in, in your region, but, you know, again, for some of the more international guys that don't know the group, you know, you know, nope. maybe describe it if you would. Transcom is call centre, contact centre company with approximately 30,000 employees, mm-hmm. which of a quarter is in the Philippines, uh, serving the English speaking market. And the rest, the majority is in Europe, but also in some other countries. They were once created to serve Tele2, which is a Swedish company, but then they extended their business to other business. Moved from, they were first situated in Luxembourg, and then they moved to Sweden, I think it was 2014, that the actual change was owned by private equity today, used to be on the Swedish stock exchange. Yeah. And you yeah. as treasurer there, you, you know, do you have a team or how was this sort of structure and, you know, what was it like? No, it was me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was the, the full treasurer there. It was a lot about liquidity forecasting, mm-hmm. uh, trying to find out where the liquidity was. Hedging is, it was not such a, a big thing because in most cases you were selling and, and pay, paying the salaries in the same currency. Mm-hmm. Apart from the Philippines, where we, we had a, a exposure Philippines pesos against the US dollar. And so we started to hedge during my time at Transcom there because we saw that the fluctuation were getting bigger and bigger. Mm. And we also were setting up uh, cash pools, including the Philippines, which was possible after some investigation, was where someone said, thought it wasn't possible but then we checked and it was possible so mm. to get hold of the cash there 
And on in, in Transcom, I also had the insurances was my responsibility, the group insurances. So, uh, which is of course quite uh, complex when you have a lot of different countries. Mm-hmm. And of course, we had uh, support from an insurance broker who helped us, who had the expertise in this. Mm. Well, I know with yourself, you, you, we talked before and you said you really enjoy the challenges of working in treasury and what that includes, you know, because it's, you know, you found it very fast moving. Why, why is that that, you know, sort of appeals to you? Why, why is that that makes you think, oh, I really enjoy treasury? Things are happening. It's not the same thing. And you're actually, you're working against what will happen when you come to some other positions in finance, when you come to accounting, it's often what did happen. Here, you're looking at the future and you're working against the future. I think that is what makes it more appealing. Hmm. I mean, you say that, you, I know that you've, you know, you've used IT in that sense, you know, Talk about that and why, how you've managed to implement that and the benefits you found from that. If we go back to uh, SAPA, when I was working there, there was this big joint venture between Hydro and the owner of SAPA, Orkla, and they created a new SAPA company. And we were then looking for a system that should fit us all. And I was working very closely from someone at Hydro to find a system that we we had the payment factory, we wanted the forecasting, we wanted the netting, we wanted the internal bank. And to be able to see that, and then we had the issue that we had so many different ERP systems as well. So we needed really to find something that could connect all this and give us the data and, you know, the flexibility. And I think you can, you can do a lot of good things if you find the right system that fits, fits you and you can make a difference to the company, how they mm. work. But you always have to sh- keep an eye on this, whether it's connecting a bank or a new system. What are the risks involved with the connectivity, with the people we had connectivity, you had the cloud, what data is in the cloud, what is the login, can someone else go to you, your computer when you go and get your coffee and uh, maybe make a payment in your name or you really have to think of all the aspects. Mm. That is, I think, a bit challenge. And often the IT department is good, but sometimes there are things they don't think about. So when someone is, you know, you know, they're looking at, you know, implementing IT and things like that, what's your, you know, you say about that, people popping away for the coffee, so the, you know, access and things like that, what, what's your checklist, if you like, or if someone else is listening today and they're going, yeah, I should be thinking about that, how, how would you encourage them to think about things? I, I think you have to, like, look at all the steps on the way. Mm-hmm. If we come to the like the payment side, you don't only have the payments itself. You have actually the data telling you that this uh, supplier have this bank data. Mm-hmm. And today, sometimes the suppliers are hacked. So uh, I've been in the case that we had that where there was a supplier that was hacked actually, mm. and we got the wrong bank data. Uh, in our case, it had affected a, a payment that was. I think 50 euro or something. So it wasn't it wasn't really the end of the world. Mm. But this is you have to have security checks. Can you solve it from the IT side? If you can't solve it from the IT side, 
How do you have a process around it? That, uh, how do you check the data? It's also requested by the insurance companies if it's above certain amounts that you have certain checks. And then you have the file. Is it safe? If, is there someone within the company who can change the file if we send it from our ERP system directly? And you have, so you have really to look through your processes and where your possible weaknesses are and how you how you handle that you talked about that you know how else do you strengthen it up you know what else are you again if someone were to come to you and say either you've implemented this and you know what what not mistakes have you made but what are the key things that stand out when someone is implementing that sort of thing you know we've talked about you know be careful you don't go for a coffee but yep. what other things are you you thinking about I'm thinking training of the users. Mm -hmm. I think that is one. And I'm not saying a one-time training uh, because people change. And there is also, you can have an instructions, but if you look at it, how many people do often read the instructions? A lot of people don't. They listen to someone who shows them and then it's uh, that. So you really have to have a continuous training and keep them aware of that it is a problem. Mm. And one of the biggest fraud problems that have been during the last years are those so-called presidential frauds, which you cannot get away from by the system. It's a totally process-oriented. And I think if everyone doesn't know what presidential fraud is, it's where someone sends you an email saying they are the CEO or the CFO or someone else in the organization and you have to do a a payment somewhere or they might groom you for some time so you think they are someone important in the head office then they ask you to make the payment all those things cannot be done on the IT side but I think it's information keeping people talking to them and also have a very open not when people contact have this dialogue open that they should be able if they are in any doubt of anything that they should be able to contact the treasurer or the CFO to say is this really okay mm. and they are not afraid of doing that I think that, that's really a key and how would you encourage people to do that by, by that openness is there anything else that they should be doing that they should be not procedure they should follow but the, you know, is it just you know coming from you as treasurer that you should be making sure they feel comfortable to do that or what's the situation? Yeah, I think it's a general situation as well that people, you should be approachable as a person. I think that's a key key thing sometimes to avoid uh, some problems that they are not afraid to tell you if they think that they have done something wrong or whatever, that you have a good, good approach towards them when mm. things happen. Mm. Because in most cases, people don't do things purposely. So I think that's a key thing, to be approachable. In a general thing, not over, not always against fraud. But mm. You've obviously worked at the centre of things, you know, within Treasury. You're a central corporate function and, you know, providing those services to the people within the business. How do you get those guys on board? How do you get them to share your vision and, and, and you know, be with you for the journey? What's those... You know, how do you sell it to them? Is it just selling the benefits, guys? Here you go. You know, this is how much money it's going to save you and time, or you know, what what's the process you generally go through? It depends a lot on what it's about. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it could, of course, be the time and money, which is always the most 
the easiest thing to sell things in because then you say, say if I do this manually, it costs you this much. If I do this electronically, it's this much. Mm-hmm. But I think what's difficult is when you talk about security, that you might say if we do it this way and it costs this much, we reduce the risk of frauds, for example. But you don't, you cannot say that it's a fixed saving. So there you have to really try to make them see your vision. And I think sometimes you succeed and sometimes you fail, unfortunately. Mm, mm, mm. And hopefully you don't have the fraud if you fail, but I think that's difficult. You've talked again when we did our pre-briefing, you said about real obstacles and, and people. How do you get through those more difficult, challenging people, would you say? That's a difficult. I'm a persistent person. I'm not an aggressive person. I usually more try to be persistent and stand up for what I believe in. And if it doesn't work once, I try it again. But then sometimes you have to give in. <laughs> I think that's the, unfortunately, but persistence is more my way. Of, and of course, you're trying to find out the argument, present it in if a different way. Some people like to see the graph. Some people want to see it in an Excel sheet in numbers. You have to f- try to figure those things out, what type of person you are dealing with. Mm. We've talked there about, you know, sort of IT and some of the different things that are coming down the line and, and various other bits. But where do you... Where do you see Treasury developing? And it doesn't just have to be on that IT side. You know, maybe we we put it, you know, that as one area, you know, technology. Where do you see it developing technology-wise? And separate, outside of technology, where do you see Treasury developing? Oh, I, I think the Treasury, the payments and so on, will go a bit more against artificial intelligence, where you have systems learning to find payments that stick out from the normal flows and send warnings and so on. And also where you might, I have seen during my years, when you look at the forecasting technology, when you, are, you, you see what providers show you, you can really see that there is a big increase in what you can and cannot do and what you can learn the system and look at and so on. But when it comes to otherwise, I think considering, I think that the focus on cash cash will continue for quite mm-hmm. some time, especially since the world is as, as it is today. Mm-hmm. Things change quickly sometimes. Talk about different financing methods and uh, you look at the interest rates that are low now. What an impact will it have if they become higher where you look at different financing methods than you do today and mm. still there are a lot of financing methods out there so it's now it's difficult mm. to predict and as we you know we're, we're sort of coming to the end of today's show and we'll put your linkedin details in the show notes and everything else if we look back over you know and someone looks back at your background and they say do you know what that's the sort of route i want to take you know maybe you have the variety of the corporate treasury then banking treasury back and forth and you know learning from both both of those areas you know what would the you know before we give your top three tips really if you like and move to that but what would you say you know you've met people that have never worked bank side or have you know only ever worked on the bank you know what has the experience of being in banking then corporate then back and then back again What, what sort of makes that different for you over other people before we come to sort of the the top three tips what what would you say 
I think the understa- understanding of things when you come from the when you're on corporate side, you want things to happen very quickly, and then you go to your bank saying you have great ideas. <laughs> and the, the, if if they are to happen, they will not happen the next month. Usually, they would probably happen in two years time or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the expectation from my side is not as high as it used to be. I also know that the banking side, there are so many new regulations there. And uh, for example, know your customers part are a nightmare <laughs> for when you, when you are to fill them in, when you change banks or update them when you have already have the bank. Mm-hmm. On one side, I do understand it uh, as I worked in the bank and I knew it was coming when I was working there, but not in that to that amount where it is today. And then if I, if I would be working at the bank, you need to understand that the customers are moving quicker and that you need to do something about it to stay, be competitive. I had a situation where we didn't, we, we had a bank tender and we actually told one, the bank we were having at the time, which we didn't select for the future, mm-hmm. and we were telling them that sorry, we don't know where you are going on the cash management side. We don't see any improvements. You're quite stale where you have been. You did this good 10 years ago and you haven't really developed your offering. And you have not, not communicated that there will be changes. So mm. I think that's, that's also a side of it. Yeah, that you need uh, to look at as well. Yeah. Okay. As I say, so we're sort of approaching the end. So we'll put your details in the show notes if people want to connect to your LinkedIn and things like that. But as you reflect maybe back over your career and, and again, other people sort of tune in and say, oh, do you know what, I, that's what I'd like to do and, and things. What are the sort of top pieces of advice you would you give to those listeners today? What, what, what would you say to people? I think when people say it's not possible, wherever, wherever you work, in a bank or in a... You, you should try to find someone else who tell you the same or tell you differently because very often it turns out that you can actually do things maybe not 100% as you first thought but in a bit different way but you can go around it i also think that if you you should really keep up with what's happening on the it side because that might be very helpful either to you third part is that you, when you're looking for different jobs, you should be open to new, to new things, not, not only focus on one thing, because some, quite often one thing leads to another. Yeah, use it so, as a springboard rather yeah. than just the only thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ideal. I think, you know, again, for people that are listening today, I think there's, you've, you've got a very different background to a lot of our other treasurers that we've sort of heard from and things like that. So I think people will pick out different, different elements that will interest them from today's show so yeah ideal so Eva thank you very much for your time today and good fun and again you know people you can connect to Eva Ackerson treasury professional she's done a great URL there she's changed it on LinkedIn a lot of you guys need to do the same rather than saying you know build blogs one two three four you know change it to that so make it something meaningful and uh, you know thank you for your time today it's been it's been lovely to spend some time talking to you yeah Thanks a lot. Thank Thank you for wanting to talk to me. Thanks.